0: Coming up next on This Week in Radio Tech, Rolf Taylor is here. Maybe you know Rolf from his days of tech support at Telos. Almost everybody in the broadcast industry talked to Rolf at one time or another, and he's going to be here talking about mm, how to design products better, how to do tech support better, and plus we'll have some uh, festivus, some grievances. It's all coming up next on Twerin. This Week in Radio Tech is brought to you by Broadcaster's General Store, with outstanding service, savings, and support online at bgs.cc. By Broadcast Bionics, with the Bionics Studio, including talk show control, social media, and visual radio, Broadcast Bionics brings exceptional audience engagement to radio and TV. By Angry Audio, audio problems disappear when you get angry at angryaudio.com. By Nautel, worry-free transmission you can count on with outstanding control, reliability, efficiencies, and Nautel's unmatched 24-7 customer support. Online at Nautel.com. And by MaxConnect Wireless, prioritized high-speed internet service designed for transmitter sites and remote broadcasts. Hey, welcome into this week in Radio Tech, the show where we talk about everything from uh, the microphone, like this one right here, to the light bulb at the top of the tower, like that one behind me. So proud of it. Thank you, Charles Kinney. I'm Kirk Harnack, your host here in the Telos Alliance studio. Can you tell? Got got the marking right here. Telos Alliance got the sign back there. And I really do appreciate uh, my bosses, my friends at the Telos Alliance who uh, give me some time on Thursdays to put a show together, bring it to you and have a little fun. So I really appreciate uh, What a great employer Telos Alliance has been. And, um, Today, sadly, Chris Tarr will not be with us. He's a feeling a little under the weather. Pretty sure it's not COVID, but pretty sure it's something that's keeping him under the weather. Um, so he will not be with us. Maybe he'll be with us on our first show of the new year. Uh next, next Thursday, we're gonna be doing one of those live remote broadcast things. Uh we're gonna be doing or an outside broadcast, as they call it in the rest of the world. Uh, next week, we're gonna be at a very exciting. AM radio station in Elkton, Kentucky, where they have a brand new studio uh, featuring Telos Alliance gear, but also they have a uh, an affiliation with the local high school, and they bring students in to get them interested in broadcasting, anything from engineering to, you know, operations, production, and of course, being on the air. So, That'll be next week. Uh, we're going to go revisit uh, my good friend, Beth Mann, who is uh, the owner, one of the owners of that group of stations up there. All right, so enough about that. That's next week. But this week, I am so delighted to bring uh, to these airways <laughs> to, to this podcasting, um, a friend of mine. I've known him for 20-plus years. Yeah, because I met him on the phone. Wow, probably calling and support. And that would be Rolf Taylor, you know him, you love him. Ralph, welcome in. It's good to see you, man. Hey, good to be on the show. And I'm glad to see I don't uh, watch
1: every week or anything, but I do uh, tune in to the replays. Glad to see you got your Duro
0: meter fixed there, Kurt. Yeah, well, that's thanks to Mark Persons. Mark Persons fixed that for me. And he said it was actually kind of tough. And if Mark Persons says it was tough, I don't think I could have done it. No way. Uh, He said no schematic is available for this particular run. Of Duro meters. I know it looks like lots of others, but it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's different. Uh, Rolf, let's give a, a quick little well, let's see. Y- you and I were talking. We've talked a few times since you have been away from Telos Alliance, and that's that's been a few years. You've you've had a few uh interesting uh technical positions. And uh just a a couple, three months ago, I was in Washington, D.C. And you said, and I, I posted about that on Facebook, and I was there for the IEEE uh, Broadcast Technical Symposium. And you said, hey, Kirk, why don't we get together? And I said, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm flying right back out of here, but let's get together on the, the podcasting airwaves, so to speak. And so here we are. So it's 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 great to see you. Um, give us a little thumbnail. What's the elevator speech on what Rolf Taylor is doing these days?
1: Well, these days I'm working... Um as a contractor for uh, FEMA, uh, not just IPAWS, but uh, smaller than that, the NPWS, which is the uh, PEP station uh, network. Um, and I work for a big government contractor, and uh, we do uh, the maintenance of all the PEP equipment at the PEP sites for the uh, national uh, EAS uh, system. So that involves everything from generators, large fuel tanks, uh, to a lot of phone lines and uh, telephone hybrids and uh, things like that. I'm a junior engineer, um, so I don't always get to travel, but frequently I get to travel as a number two. Um, we go to these sites all around the U.S. I haven't been to any of them outside the U.S., but uh, 90% of the U.S. In population is what our mandate is, Uh, So that does include uh, Guam and uh, uh, American Samoa and some other uh, spots around the country, but I don't get to leave the country.
0: Okay. Well, maybe someday. Someday you will. I'll take you. I'll, I'll meet you in American Samoa, and we'll go. We can go get a mai tai together on the beach. And I think this is uh, fabulously interesting. We're going to get into uh, some of the challenges that you come across, and the fact that you help take care of or, or make sure it's working. Uh, the the extra gear that uh, pep stations have. I, I'm a, just a few miles from uh, the WSM transmitter site here. It's actually in Brentwood, Tennessee, and, and I'm. I'm uh, just probably 6 miles as a crow flies from uh, from that tower site where they have some interesting gear uh that I guess a lot of pep stations have and maybe a couple extra things and then one of my radio stations in American Samoa WVUV is the pep station for American Samoa. So uh, yeah, there's a satellite dish there. There's two phone lines. There's some optolators to keep everything protected. And um, it's it, it's it's a pretty, int- oh, and, and a generator, a, a big honking generator that that runs everything at the tra- at one of the transmitter sites. So uh, I, uh, we're going to be talking about that. Plus, uh, Rolf has a, re- well, we started talking about a really interesting topic, and we're going to share that with you, our audience, Rolf. And, and that, Well, why don't you tell them about this? This is, you know, the the best support is no need for it. What does that mean to you? Well,
1: I was in support uh, starting out at Telos, although I had sort of other customer-facing jobs before that. Um, And uh, then I got involved in updating manuals, and the goal was to make it that uh, if you read the manual, you might not have to call support. And then I uh, worked my way up to be – product manager for all the telephony stuff, the codecs Mm -hmm. being the most uh, complicated part of that and the ones that uh, uh, needed as much uh, proactive support. So there I started looking at how can we uh, design the user interface and all that, again, to reduce support and increase uh, uh, usability. Uh, Telos had a culture of that, so I was uh, sort of joining in on something that was already uh, uh, underway. But uh, um, and I learned that that uh, really does make a difference and uh, thus um, uh, began a sort of a lifetime uh, interest. And wow, uh, why does that work like that? Uh, wouldn't it be better if there were some, you know, not even a line of code, just do it a little differently. And so all my friends know I'm always commenting on stuff. And my ex says, you know, now I do it, too. You know, I look at them and I say, well, that's stupid. Why didn't they do it some other way?
0: <laughs> well, I, you have a, some pretty interesting uh, uh, pictures and graphs and a couple outlines to share. We're going to get into that as we get into the show. Right now, I want to uh, thank and rem- uh, thank the sponsor and remind you that Nautel is one of our sponsors here. And Notel has done something that, well, along the lines of what Rolf Taylor is talking about, they've made HD radio implementation really Easy, just terrifically easy. In fact, so easy that Kirk Harnack, I did it myself at uh, WBZK in Oxford, Mississippi, not long ago, just a few months ago. They have a new series of transmitters. Now, this is not what I had. We we got the FMHD Exciter and coupled that with literally a ten-year-old VS two point five transmitter. But um, they have this new series of transmitters, the GV two. They're an enhanced version of their GV series, and they're the first in the industry to integrate all all HD radio components inside the transmitter. So the GV2 supports HD radio with Xperi Gen 4 importer, exporter, XGen implementations for HD radio encoding, station logo, and artist experience. And they're the first solution that locks FM and HD signals synchronously to eliminate HD-FM blend drifting. Wow. You can also get an Omnia for Nautel. It covers all FM and HD radio audio processing needs and provides live wire audio over IP inputs for all audio streams. No additional hardware is needed. That's cool. Because I'm telling you, for years now, implementing HD has been, let's just say, a little bit complicated. Little wires here and there, uh, cables back and forth, uh, feedback into this and that. And, uh, you know, it's if you know what you're doing, it, it does become straightforward. If it's your first time, it's like, wow, well... That's what Nautel has solved with the GV2 series. So if you're planning on going HD or if you want to improve your HD to where things are locked together and it's just better, or maybe maybe you want to improve your audio processing and and it's it's time for a new transmitter, get both together at the same time with the Nautel GV2. I really thank Nautel for being such a great friend to our industry, for making things easier for us as engineers, and for engineering great, great products. Check it out at the Nautel.com website, Nautel.com, and this is under HD radio. This is the GV2 series of transmitters with full HD radio implementations. Thanks a lot, Nautel. For sponsoring this week in Radio Tech, I'm Kirk Harnack in the Telos Alliance Studio. Rolf Taylor is along with me, and Rolf, we've got quite a few things to uh, to cover on today's show. Um, you provided a, a PDF document that I think uh, it probably um, Suncast has ready. I'm not sure where you want to start. If you want to start with the first page, we can just talk about it. Uh, you know, as we go along, you put some thought into in, into this. I believe you want to jump in there, Mr. Professor.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, uh, just a quick summary. We covered some of this, but, uh, sort of where I'm coming from, uh, uh-huh. which to me, uh, radio is just an extension of an audio system. That's how I got into it. Um, uh, yeah, I was, you know, I love the whole RF idea, but mm-hmm. it's the audio that matters to me. So, and I've been a lifelong tinkerer of, uh, radio and audio, uh, stuff. We've already covered, uh, Um, You know what 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 I'm doing now, and uh, I was a a technical director for a college station uh, several times um, and uh, uh, got them in on the beta program for some of the uh, uh, Telos uh, Axia gear which was pretty cool and uh, uh, Kept them state-of-the-art that way and of course I was a sport engineer at Telos worked my way up and uh, was eventually product manager which is very relevant to this topic Um, Mm -hmm. I've always been a a bit of a wizard with uh, telephone stuff. Always had an interest in that. And then uh, uh, taught myself a lot about ISDN and uh, BRI and PRI and all that. Uh, Again, I'm a critic and a curmudgeon. uh, That's uh, hopefully uh,
0: constructive. uh, Critic. Critic. I I, got to say, Rolf, you call yourself a critic and you put the word constructive in front of that. I have never thought of you as a negative critic. The things that you have comments about, you you typically have a positive constructive angle on that. Here's how this could be better. Here's how it could be more foolproof. Here's how we could make it simpler for the user and make it kind of, you know, just work. It just works. And that's kind of where your, your constructive criticism comes from, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and it uh, very much. Uh, again, coming up through support, uh, being an advocate for the customer uh, has uh, definitely been something. As you know, I can be fairly uh, forceful in meetings, perhaps a bit too much, but it's always uh, for the right reasons, I think. so. <laughs> uh, but as <laughs> I've gotten older, I think I've got a little more curmudgeonly, so when I'm talking about somebody else's <laughs> products, that I don't have any input. Uh, well, here's my chance to maybe, uh, spread some of that
0: to others. I I, I must say you, and being a writer and you, you wrote some great manuals for Telos and they were extraordinarily complete, Ralph. They were so complete. Here's, here, here's my, uh, my my comment. It's not even a criticism. Um, some of your manuals write this thick. And so I couldn't deal with the printed version. I had to have the PDF version and just search for the thing I was looking for. That's what I had to do. Is they' are very complete um let's look at the satisfaction cycle. You provided me a diagram, and suncast can pop it up here. the satisfaction cycle what does what does this mean? What's this about
1: all right well we'll 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 start at the top uh, obviously if we're obviously not everything's hardware, but if it is hardware, the hardware's got to have some base level of stability and reliability um it's also got to have some capabilities um i'm Got details on all these later, so I'll try uh, to just give the uh, user interface is critical because if that's not right, then the user's going to experience pain. Um, And then uh, uh, as part of the user interface, uh, online help can be extremely uh, uh, valuable. It's right there, whether it be on the screen or on a hardware device uh, that has a screen. Uh, It's not always helpful but uh it's really good to have and in a pinch if you can't download the documentation it just might have what you need Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. documentation uh we could do a whole show on documentation uh, but uh um good documentation is is helpful if for nothing else your support people are going to have it um and uh some some users will read it some won't and some will just skip to the good parts by using the search feature, which is one of the great things that PDFs <laughs> add to the, yeah. uh, uh, figuring out how to do index and everything is something I figured out because I wanted to have an index old school, but uh, um, you know, it had never been done on any of tell us manuals, but I was writing a big one and uh, figured out how to do it. Uh, then sort of the other side of documentations is on your website uh, or as part of the documentation, FAQs uh, can be very handy, a well-written FAQ that's easy to access. Again, we'll get to little details there, but uh, can be very valuable. Um, and then uh, once it comes down to customer needs support, you got to have at least a couple options, and they need to be effective. We'll get onto that uh, later. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and you really do need to plan for some sort of uh, escalation uh because uh sometimes whether it's because things aren't going well or the customers jumping the gun and maybe a little bit of uh convergence shall we say uh maybe they're not going to go through the usual channels but there's ways to address that uh you mm-hmm. shouldn't lock out escalation as a uh, fairly easy thing to do just because of those people and then turning around uh to the other side uh if you do all this right You're going to have satisfied customers. You're going to get word of mouth, best advertising there is. It's free Uh, and people believe it. Uh, And then marketing goes hand in hand. If it's uh, it's good marketing, it's not just a bunch of BS. It's actually saying, well, here's what our customers think. Here's what's unique about the product. This is where it's good. And then you take that right into, uh, particularly in the broadcast industry, but to the extent that you can train your uh, sales staff uh, both in-house and out-of-house and also give them the context. I did a lot of training for folks at the different broadcast vendors and some of those people I still have a, a, a great relationship with. Uh, and they knew if if they couldn't remember the answer or they didn't have the answer, they'd turn right around and call me up and conference me in. And we'd make sure the customer's uh, questions were answered rather than waiting until afterwards. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah. And then a part of that is, um you maybe i'll give them checklists if it's a big board pre-configuration maybe that's done on the website but again that's part of the pre-sales uh you know last thing I want to do is find out oh geez you mean there was a module to do that and i didn't order it now i gotta order it and get it you know maybe reconfigure um so uh that's uh what i when i started thinking about this topic i had uh you know you you brought it up and i started to think well how do i frame this so that was sort of where i started and then that gave me the rest of the bullet points uh for uh, today's talk and uh, uh i think there's quite a bit there so uh we uh, uh we'll we'll see what we can
0: cover You know, one of the—I think—one of the interesting things about, uh, let's say, a a quick start guide uh, or a manual. But I I personally, I I really like quick start guides. Um, There's a lot of things in a manual that I don't think I need to know right now. Uh, And unfortunately, maybe I—maybe I do. uh, and I'll just I'll just uh, tell you a procedure that I went through. It seemed to work for me. Maybe you have a criticism or a better idea. But years ago, when the Telos uh, Zip One, uh, like this one behind me here, when it came out, I was asked to write up a quick start guide to help people just plug it in and get going. And we um, uh, we had kind of a, a setup procedure built into it. And so I went through that, and and I tried to erase from my brain any pre-knowledge of how the thing worked. I tried to pretend that I was an inexperienced user. And what would I screw up? Uh, what would I need to know to properly answer the next question or fill in the next blank uh, on the screen? And I i don't know, I felt like I was kind of good at that. that I, could, I could act stupid and just follow along with what it said with ba- really basic information. So uh, I, I I did that. I, I wrote a a, uh, a quick start, and then what I did was when I was uh, my my ex wife, her daughter lived here, and she you know didn't know nothing about nothing about this stuff. I think she might have been fourteen years old, and I brought her. I said, "Madeline, here," and I put the thing back to factory, and I gave her the quick start, and I said, "Would you please follow this and see if it works for you?" and And I kind of watched over her shoulder without making her nervous, and I watched her, and in four minutes. She had called the test line, and it worked. And I thought, okay, maybe I've done a decent job writing the quick start. Now, with that story behind us, and uh, you know, I'm a little bit proud of that, uh, what do you think that a, a quick start should, should do for people? Something like that or something maybe a little more different?
1: Well, it's funny that you should mention that, Kurt because I also wrote a quick start for that product, uh, I sort of asked if I could help out. And, uh, uh, I sort of went to the extreme of trying to make it relatively, uh, non language. So I used mostly pictures and arrows. And, uh, I don't know if that ever floated by you, probably not, but, uh, um, and uh, I, I never really got feedback. I was too busy. And I finally said, I'm not going to be able to. Uh, uh, I, I sent that. And I said, I, I'm going to decline on writing the manual. I had written a little bit of stuff for it. And uh, uh, actually, that w- this was for the, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's the same product. Um, but I think that's exactly what a quick start should do. Um, it should also uh, possibly have some cross-references. Uh, for more hmm. on this topic, see chapter 1.2, uh, since, uh, uh, you are making assumptions on the quick start, you know, uh, I know on my quick start for the, uh, for that codec, I, I assumed you're using a microphone, not a line level, because that's something you might have and you can plug it right in. You don't have to worry about, the. um uh, but as soon as you, you know, are going to use something else or as soon as you get into uh, using live wire, obviously yeah. you need to know uh, where to turn but uh uh it should be something uh sort of the gold standard for that is uh as you know the original uh uh, uh zephyr uh and its subsequent uh, brethren were, were extremely popular among the voiceover industry and uh um uh there's all sorts of people in the voiceover industry uh they all have for the most part have good voices uh but some of them i think uh their parents may have said you know uh Johnny, uh, you know, you've got a really good voice. I think you might want to do this because I'm not so sure that you could do complicated things. And as a value added, one of the things I didn't support is if, if you bought an expensive, uh, a codec, uh, um, even if you, whether you read the quick start or not, uh, I'd help you get it hooked up to your little Mackie mixer and give you some mm-hmm. ideas, how to set up the mix minus and everything. And obviously that goes beyond what you could do in a quick start. But, uh, uh, the quick start, hopefully, is good enough. Those guys can plug it in and make sure it's working. Uh, and certainly warnings. Uh, you mentioned something to that effect. Uh, we, with ISDN, it was always, you know, I remember telling Neil Glassman, uh, he re- wrote the previous, uh, and I proofread it. And I said, you know, realtors say location, location, location. For uh, ISDN,
0: it's get the spids, get the spids. Get the spids. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> what, by, and just real quick before we take a break, what's it like, Rolf, to be old enough, you and I both, to have lived through pretty much an entire technology, ISDN, from almost its beginning. I mean, I got involved a little after its beginning, but now we've seen seen it pretty well sunset, at least, uh, you know, B-channels. Uh, what What's your comment or thought on living through a technology from end to end?
1: Well, it's just uh, odd and uh, just a little bit scary, perhaps. (laughs) It certainly uh, reminds us that uh, we're not spring chickens anymore.
0: Yeah, we're not spraying, and and it's and it's amazing what technologies have can like like eight track tapes. Those went away, you know, when I was probably in my in my late teens, or early twenties. Uh, cassette tapes, uh, those came out when I was a little kid, and now they're pretty well gone. Although uh, you know, there's there's some nostalgia here and there. What else? Uh, vinyl is you know making a bit of a resurgence, but again, as a yeah. retro technology, pots is still around um it's you know it's f- kind of fading but in your full-time job you certainly use pots a lot uh, as a um, as a uh, secure uh, f- a fairly secure way of of connecting to transmitter sites
1: yeah indeed oh. um and it's interesting uh, cd's are on the decline but they're prepared to have a second uh uh second rising because they do they're cost effective and uh, they really do what they what claim to. And if you, if you don't want to have it uh, downloaded, uh, yeah, uh, they're going to uh, be much more successful uh, second version than the, uh, the vinyl. I think.
0: <laughs> don't have any and dislike for vinyl, but. Uh, um, I swear this, a lot of people have been burned by downloads in, in of course you don't own the music, that's the copyright holders, but you, uh, if you download something, it's, it's kind of like you don't own the download either, Because uh, or with the online services, I, I swear I had 7,000 songs uploaded uh, into iTunes when they let you do that, and, they, and if you had a crappy copy, they'd replace it with a good copy, and you paid them every year to do that, and I don't know what I did wrong, but they're all gone. Uh, yeah, everything I paid for uh, is no longer there. And, and uh, yeah, I wasn't real happy about that. But all the CDs that I got from all the radio stations I ever worked at, I still got those. So it's like, yeah, they're in the oh, attic. They've all been ripped,
1: but they're in the attic. And if <laughs> copyright police come around, they're coming out of the <laughs> attic. <laughs>
0: That's right. Hey, uh, we're talking to Rolf Taylor, and we got more to get into, including, don't miss it, uh, the, the Festivus portion of our show, where Rolf and I are probably going to, you know, b- b- bitch and moan about a couple things. But, uh, you yeah, know, we're going to air a few grievances. Our show is brought to you in part by Broadcast Bionics, and a technology that we've seen come, and I think it'll be a long time before we see it go, and that is virtualization of broadcast functionality. Now, the, uh, the traditional way of doing that is with, uh, Docker containers and setting those up. And I got to tell you, it ain't child's play, especially when you are doing using real time audio streams, things that must be processed boom, 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 boom on time or else you're going to get some dead air or, or bad audio. Well, the folks at Broadcast Bionics have uh, figured this out for you and me to make it really easy to implement Docker broadcast container technology uh, into an appliance that you don't have to know what's going on behind the scenes. And that is the virtual rack from broadcast to bionics. If you go to bionics.co.uk and look for virtual rack, you can find this. What it is, it's an appliance and it comes in a couple different sizes and it it's like a it's it's almost like an app store you uh you you browse into it you see the app store you pick out the uh the functions the broadcast functions that you want from different manufacturers most of them are from Telos but there's also uh, things in there uh, applications from Sound4 and from 2Wcom and I'm sure that more are coming as other broadcast equipment manufacturers jump online and into the virtualized world so if you want an audio console from Telos Alliance from Axia you click on the Altus audio console and and you and literally you click on it while you're online it downloads the image it installs it 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 asks you if you questions about your IP address that you want uh, if you want two network interfaces or one network interface and you give it a few names so that you can you know come back and refer to it and it installs now what it doesn't do for you is put the license in of course uh, they're actually the broadcast bionics is not selling you the final software they're they're giving you an appliance to install it on automatically and then, you uh, take care separately of licensing that product. Now, some products give you a demo mode. Some of the TELOS products, for example, give you a, a demo mode. And there's some functionality there, so you can test it out. But then you license it. Like for the Axialtus, you license uh, the basic functionality or groups of four more faders or four more faders. Uh, you can license the WebRTC functionality, so you can uh, do remote broadcasts with it, and that kind of thing. Um, so many cool things are built in. You can uh, watch a couple videos about this. It's showing on your screen right now at the bottom of the screen. If you go to Broadcast Monarch's website, uh, Dan McQuillan, explains about how this works and what functionalities are available to you in terms of deployment and failover and the applications that are available. I got a good demo of this, actually several of them, and Dan was on our show this past summer. So if you want to go back and find Dan McQuillan with uh, with Virtual Rack on uh, TWERT, you can see a whole hour show about this technology. It is so cool. Um, Of course, it's not the only way to deploy virtualized broadcast infrastructure. You can put it at AWS. Folks at Telos can help you do that. You can put it on your own hardware that you provide. But a great way to do it is with the uh, virtual rack from Broadcast Bionics. Check it out. Thanks a lot to Broadcast Bionics at bionic.co.uk for sponsoring this week in Radio Tech. We really appreciate you. All right. We're here with uh, Rolf Taylor. I'm Kirk Harnack. Chris Tarr is feeling a little bit under the weather. Hopefully, he'll be back with us uh, next year. Rolf, let's see. I got a whole list here of things we were gonna we're gonna chat about, um, and um, I don't. You know, I I don't really want to point out bad design. Maybe you have an example of bad design. I'd like to to spend just a second and tell you some of the companies that I think do. Generally, very good jobs in design. Of course, Telos Alliance. Uh, I, I really appreciate the you know the way things are designed, and they're generally pretty helpful. Uh, I think that um, you were talking about support earlier. I've, I've gotten great support from Comrex and from Nautel, and remember Continental Electronics. They made big transmitters, yeah, little ones yep. too. Yeah, great. Uh, always had great support from them. What were you? What were you going to say to add to this?
2: Well,
1: Broadcast Bionics is another one. I haven't ever dealt with them. But their design philosophy uh is that they get it just like the product we were discussing, and I'm guessing they have good support as well because uh they have that uh uh ability to sit in the customer's uh uh um seat uh particularly mm-hmm. obviously they started out with all that stuff for the for the producers and the call screeners and everyone uh and so if if you have that perspective, then usually support comes along with that because uh that's critical to the customer.
0: You know, I, I thought I'd add something uh, in, somewhere on your circle we looked at earlier. Um, uh, when a manufacturer gets some experience with the product in the field and gets an idea about what are cu- customers calling about over and over again, what did, which kind of tells you what did we miss in maybe telling them about, what is maybe too complicated to tell them about, or what is a something that developed in, in later on in, in a new version of software or firmware. Um, And this is something that Telos Alliance has done, and I have found it to be so helpful. Uh, Not really updating the manual, although if there's a big change, yes, the manual gets updated, but it is an online uh, support database that, uh, and if you want to see a good example one, go to support.telosalliance.com. You type in a plain language question. For example, um, if you type in um, Axia... Uh, Google Chrome bad web page or something like that, you'll find that uh, along the way, Google Chrome changed the way a prefetch function works in Google Chrome. And it's not very compatible with the way that some Axia products were were designed on their their web page engine, well, there's a way to fix that in Google Chrome. You just turn one little thing off. It's hard to find. You gotta go down, 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 several uh, steps. But once you find it, just turn that off, and huh, your Google Chrome works perfectly well with Axia products. Now, other and other browsers don't have this behavior, and they work fine anyway. But that's an example of something that you can find. Uh, online that telos has put i think they've got uh close to a thousand articles it's the most common things that people ask uh and so you can save yourself a phone call and, and and trouble just by trying to you know put your put your question in in a plain language form on that website what do you think about that
1: well and that needs to be um a cyclical thing so i remember mm-hmm. when telos first came out with faqs so we just uh made up a bunch of FAQs uh, uh, and then you have to look and see well what else are people asking and uh, yeah. uh, what's confusing about the FAQ same thing with the quick start maybe you didn't get it right on the first try so you listen for it and tweaking the quick Start's pretty easy compared to tweaking the whole manual so uh, a closed loop uh, system is, is uh, very important for that same thing uh, if uh, you know customer mentions oh I had trouble getting through today really uh, w- you know, was it it rang and no one answered, or did you get a busy signal? What did you happen? You know, uh,
0: tell us. Uh, we can learn from yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And, and, but by the way, I want to point out that a lot of times a manufacturer, if they list FAQs on their website, they're actually sales FAQs. Um, is this audio processor a good choice for a college station? Why, glad you asked. Of course it is. It's a great choice. <laughs> you know, in other words, FAQs can be used for marketing purposes. Uh, and when I mentioned that website, support.telluslines.com that's not really FAQs. It's, it's, it's really, you know, uh, support style articles that you can find by typing a plain language question. And I'm not saying Telus is exclusive to that kind of solution. I'm just saying it's a great idea and, and it works well and they update it on a real regular basis.
1: Well, it replaces the uh, the uh, old uh, application notes for instance, ah, Yeah. which typically yeah. you would have a whole library of those uh, whereas this is uh, um, combines that and uh, it might even have some sales FAQs as well as long as it's clear when you look at the list of them oh, well, I don't want that one. I want this one. Uh, and uh, that's that's actually on the, uh, on the grievance, a the little early uh, grievance, is uh, I go to websites where I, I, I search the FAQ. I uh, click on one, and then I say, okay, I want to read the next one in that list, and I hit the back button, or uh, maybe it's got a button of its own. Uh, and then it starts out on page one of the list, and I have to start all over, or I have to actually start, do the search again. It's like, how could you let your customers down? That I mean, you're basically pricking them with a pin every time they go to your FAQ site when you do that.
0: It's, it's yeah. just wrong. Yeah. Um, some of the user interface ideas that you talk about here, can you talk a blind user through basic functions? Tell me about how that could work.
1: Well, um, with the with the original Zephyr and with mm-hmm. the Zephyr Extreme, uh-huh. uh you could hit I think help a couple times and that gets you back to the the base level, and then gotcha. you could hit the, the the utility button five times, and that got you to your spids. You may remember. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then you hit it one more time, and then that was your directory numbers, which on the old Zephyr you didn't use. And then you hit it one more time. Now. Uh, if if you need to set the you know the national ISDN, well, we'd have to do a cold boot and make sure it was at the original factory setting. But then you could say no, hit no five times or whatever it would be. I mean, in that case, you'd have to be sitting in front of a unit to walk someone through it. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Norm, uh, I think his name is Norm. It's not Norm Avery, but there's a a, a, a blind uh, NPR engineer. Uh-huh, okay. uh and there was at least one other blind client um one of them I dealt with directly and one of which I was coaching someone to help them and again uh on the zephyr extreme uh it was sort of nicer because you had less stuff crammed in each uh, menu but you had the four different menus with the four different uh buttons so I'll go to the second button from the left under the screen and hit that twice and then hit the down arrow twice And so there's where you don't want it to remember where the cursor was. You want it to start at the top of each menu uh, Ah. each time because that way you, uh, you, you know, whether it's a blind person or whether it's just efficiently me telling you where to go. Uh, to say, well, what's in that directory number field? Oh, erase that. That's wrong. <laughs> you know? um, so it's, it makes an interesting exercise, and it can actually be practical. Now, if you take something with the jog wheel interface, uh, yeah. I really don't think you're going to be able to do that.
0: <laughs> Maybe right. you could, but it's a lot more work. You don't, you don't know what's highlighted, whereas uh, if you have up-down buttons, and you can hit a button, like you said, multiple times to get home, then then at both ends, whether you're blind or sighted, uh, you know you you're both on on the same literally on the same page um what about the concept of multiple ways to do the same thing? Talk to me about that about that as a as a design concept
1: well I'll have to tell you how it originated and uh, hopefully I don't go on too long but uh, the original uh black zephyr uh, was uh quite easy to use, although obviously the ISDN was the hard part, but uh, the unit itself was easy to use um, and uh, had sort of an interesting, uh, uh, I think it was sort of AdTran-like, the uh, user interface on that. Um, uh, uh, I don't know whether that was the origins of it because it was already there when I got there. But um, And then the Zephyr Express used the jog wheel, uh, and there were also uh, – very little similarity. I always said the Zephyr Express could have been designed by a, a different company and uh, mm-hmm. just put the Zephyr name on it. Um, w- then I was involved in the uh, product management of the of Zephyr Extreme, and I basically laid out every word on every menu. And then the, the, the beautiful implementation of it was, was Jason, not me, but exactly what each item was and what the selections for each item uh was Mm. mine and if there was too many characters or something you know then we'd go back and forth and discuss it figure out but um so uh I, i i wasn't a big fan of the uh express uh but i did realize that there were probably people used express and never used the black zephyr vice versa so um Uh, there were a number of things, uh, the way you dialed, you could hit the dial, enter a number, and hit dial. Uh, That was the Black Zephyr way. You could hit dial, enter the number, or select the number, then enter the number, and then scroll to dial and connect. That was the Zephyr Express way. Well, Hmm. presumably, if you picked the thing up for the first time, you'd never used either kind, you would find whichever one was intuitive to you, and everyone there's a huge variation in how people think so one of them much might be intuitive to you and another one might be intuitive to someone else and uh, one of them is going to be you're going to be biased towards because you've used the black zephyr or the express so that got me thinking well then there's no reason why you couldn't do that in general just based on the fact that people don't all think alike and so uh, they may eventually read the manual and say, oh, there was a simpler way to do this. Isn't that cool? But in the meanwhile, they're able to to, to use
0: the device. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, the last thing I want to ask you about before we break again is is your notion about um, keeping the UI simple enough by hiding things that people almost never need. And, of course, it makes perfect sense. That, boy, there are some products I can think of I'm not gonna name any names, that everything's right there in front of you. Or um, the things, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I don't want to name any names, but uh, man, I've been so fooled by some products. And I had to have somebody else show me, well, you open this and open this and open this, and that tick box right there. Well, gee, everybody wants that on. Why isn't it on by default? What, what are your thoughts about UI design? For the, the 90%. Well, first of all, selecting
1: defaults is not anywhere in my notes on this, but that's okay. real important. And it's not necessarily easy. You've got a couple beta testers, but they may not use the defaults that you would use. They're typically power users, and you've yeah. got the opinions of the designers, but uh, the, the right defaults is real critical. Um, Well, with some of the Telos gear, we literally hit it by the only way you could get to it was you had to go in through the back door uh, and use the web interface, which at the time was not the primary interface people used. And so it would only be available there. It wouldn't be available to the sort of, uh, you know, uh, more putsy kind of uh, non-tech user. Um, Deciding what to hide and how to hide it is not necessarily easy uh you we've all seen the evolution of commercial software where they sort mm-hmm. of you know when you had sub menus of sub menus of sub menus from drop down menus all of a sudden that started getting pretty click uh, you know pretty pretty tricky um yeah. my thought would be you still might want to include them in the drop down menus because you can go down there and you know look at them one at a time and see everything in the whole system theoretically as long as there's not sub menus then it's you know you lose that um but the, the, the menu bar up at the top ought to tell you the ability to open up one of those pop-up uh, control panel things, which is how uh, software general has handled that is if if you don't need the page layout, a uh, little pop-up, you just don't open it. And so you don't even know what it is. You open it up and say, whoops, you hit the X button, close it, close it down. That seems to be a fairly good approach. But then even within that pop out. Is it, uh, you know, how, how confusing is it? Uh, obviously, many aspects of user interface. But again, uh, if you're not doing page layout, if you're just doing word processing, uh, you don't want to have all that stuff on, on the screen. Um, on the other hand, there's basic functionality in a lot of things today where they have so-called drawing ability. And they don't have the ability to create a line. They have free-form drawing only. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, like, uh, what is it, snip and sketch? I, I had always ignored it, and I used the old uh, old thing. And then I was like, you know what, I need to snip this and then sketch on it. And I opened it up, and <laughs> I had to create this ridiculous, ugly, hand-drawn thing because it didn't have circles. <laughs> Actually, we, I gave up, and I ended up exporting it into something else. And then I had nice circles, you know, because I I was sending it to a vendor. I didn't want to look like an idiot. You
0: know? We're talking to Rolf Taylor. Uh, we're and after after this break, we're going to get to our maybe our our, our Festivus uh, section of the show. So, Rolf, get ready for that uh, grievances. Uh, do we
1: want to just really quickly go through the bullet points on the uh, circle of uh, success there? Uh, just see if we missed anything. We've covered a lot of them. Uh, yeah, but let's, let's do that after. Years, yeah. After.
0: Let's do that right after this this break because I got to stay on on track okay. with with those other otherwise we'll have uh, we'll have five minutes of commercials at the end of the show. Hey, our show this week in Radio Tech we we got to pay for this somehow and so we have sponsors and I'm so grateful for the sponsors and please you be too okay. So patronize them when you get a chance and one of those sponsors is Angry Audio. Now this is Mike Dosh's company. Mike has an amazing career in the broadcast industry and started out in the music industry before that. He's got great uh, great design etiquette and ideas. One of those uh, design things is a product that I just used recently building a studio in Oxford, Mississippi, and that's the Guest Gizmo. And what I like about the Guest Gizmo, uh, for if, it's got a couple of smart things that it's smarter than you think, okay, because it's got some logic in there that's, that's pretty cool. But the fact that you can drill a round hole and plop a square device in there is just amazing. The the uh, the the bezel at the top of it covers the round hole, so you don't see the round hole. You don't get gaps around the thing uh, that you can see, and so you drill a two and three quarter inch round hole. Easy peasy to do. Easier if you have a sharp uh, round hole saw, but uh, and and I did got bought a brand new one for a few dollars down at the hardware store and drilled. A, Carefully picked my places where these were going to go, drilled that round hole, and dropped this sucker right in. And it looks so professional. He even includes, uh, Mike Dosh includes some screws that match, some nice dark black screws that that match the motif of the guest gizmo. And so it looks so professionally installed, even though I did it. How about that? Uh, left and right audio inputs. It has an insert uh, point input. Um, it has an input for the the power, a 16 volts AC. Of course, it comes with um, with a little wall wart to plug in. And there's a logic connector on there, too. And you can read in the manual about the different things that it'll do, or you can read on the website about the different things that it, it will do. Um, really uses premium components, as is pointed out on the website. And the the audio that you get into the, the, the headphones, just amazing. Really wonderful. You want it loud? You got it loud. Uh, and it's a nice smooth turn of the, of the volume pot. And if you want to, you know, mute your microphone. Uh, no problem. You can you can hook it up to, to do that, like a, a cough switch. You can also hook it up to turn uh, things on and off. The Gas Gizmo is just is one of many 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 products that uh, Angry Audio makes. And if you go, uh, if, oh, look at see the little pricing icon there. Most every web page on the Angry Audio website, angryaudio.com. Click on that pricing, and you can see for yourself what the retail pricing is. Your dealer may be able to offer you a discount, but uh, but uh, they got a new price list for 2024. The Rave console still chimes in under $2,000. So check that out. Um, just so many things to help you build really high-quality uh, studios for broadcast, for podcasting. Um, you're just going to love the stuff they have at Angry Audio at AngryAudio.com. Thanks so much, Mike Gosh, and Angry Audio for sponsoring. This Week in Radio Tech. Oh, and all the Studio Hub stuff, too. Remember that? Remember Studio Hub? Yeah, we still got it. They, they, they bought the whole company at Angry Audio, and, uh, and almost everything is still there, so check it out. And well-made, too. Our show is also brought to you by Max Connect. That's Josh Bone's company. Thank you, Josh Bone. I mean, seriously, thank you for being part of the broadcast industry and supplying some things that we need. One of those things is a new device called the U192. This is from Max Connect, and what it is, it's a USB-connected sound card. You know, there are more and more uh, FM audio processing products now that are available as software, and some of them uh, run under Windows. Uh, I'm not sure what what all, all of them run under. I've personally installed the Omnia SST and the Omnia 9S. Software in a windows environment, and these are extraordinarily reliable the way they sit in and work with windows i 've not had any problems with with either of these products and then there's also products like stereo tool uh, and this uh, max connect u one ninety two is designed for stereo tools uh, audio processing and for omni SST for omnia 9s this gives you a local in fact uh, maybe a suncast can scroll down there we can see the back of this thing uh, if it 's a if it's, there's a picture available, I'm not sure where it is. Oh, there it is right there. Uh, it can give you the composite output, the composite multiplex output to go into your FM Exciter. So if your um, uh, uh, audio processing computer that's running your audio processor and your transmitter are co-located, uh, as many, many times they are, well, there you go. This is your reliable uh Audio interface between the two. There are some other sound cards on the market that that you know people have used in order to make this work, and I got to tell you, they're, for the most part, they're pretty disappointing. A lot of them have some DC offset. They, they have a capacitor in line with the output that would stop the DC offset, but then you don't get the good proper uh, square wave base response. You get some tilt in there. And then you've got some that, that don't uh, do very well at 192 kilohertz sampling. This box, the U192, was designed to do exactly this task for broadcasters. So please check it out. Uh, it's a great way to get you some audio processing on your FM station. And um, I think it's so cool. Uh, in fact, I'll be using one of these at a new uh, installation that I'll be doing. I'll be using uh, probably Omni SST or maybe Omnia 9S and using this as the USB output to uh, to feed the transmitter. Check it out. Thanks a lot, Max Connect, for sponsoring this week in Radio Tech. All right, a few remaining minutes with Rolf Taylor. You may know him or remember him from uh, Telos Support. Uh, if you uh, are involved at, with a PEP station, that is a um, – How what, what, what does PEP stand for? Primary entry point. Thank you. should know that. Primary entry point because our one, (laughs) one of my stations, WVUV in American Samoa, is one. All right, Rolf, uh, let's hit some of these bullet points uh, quickly that you wanted to to go over.
1: So we covered hardware. um, uh, Just uh, I mentioned product management a couple times. That Mm -hmm. is you have someone that's dedicated to represent the customer on the design team and you have to give them enough power uh that they can override angry engineers and say sorry you're going to have to redo that you should check with me first <laughs> yeah yeah uh, they're typically also involved very closely with marketing uh so the marketing understands uh what what uh what features uh are um it's a two-way street, uh, mm-hmm. what features are required, but also what features are, are good to sell and that, that actually help the customer. Uh, and as I say there, it makes a difference between a product that works and a product that works well uh, and hopefully is, is loved. Um, we already talked, I think, pretty much all about user interface. Uh, the balance of feature creep versus confusion is Always a uh, a tricky one, but you need to give your time and you need to include a product manager on that. Uh, the ninety percent rule—that's actually something Mike Dosh uh, told me. Uh, it's not hard and fast, but it's it's good thing to think about. If your product can cover ninety percent of what uh, of of what ninety percent of users, that other ten percent you know, maybe you don't want to complicate it just f- and raise the price potentially just for that mm-hmm. 10%. Uh, now sometimes, you know, some tiny little company starts out and they do that 10% and eventually grow up and they become 90%. So, you know, it's not uh, without risk, but it's worth considering a uh, next page. Perfect. Um, uh, online, I mean, uh, um, uh, not uh, on the web, but built into the unit is a really nice Uh feature. Uh, Again, Mm -hmm. that's where you're going to have to uh, iteratively uh, go through and find out if it's really doing what you wanted it to, uh, just like your FAQs and your your quick start. Um, uh, The documentation, ideally it's got some tutorial information, uh, and it certainly shouldn't just be pictures of all the menus. Obviously, a lot of documentation, that's all it is. Well, what does what do these selections mean? Recommended use cases.
0: Ralph, I, I, I want to agree with you so much. So many manuals just tell you what each button does or what each field does and doesn't tell you how to get done a task that I swear, I think probably 80, 90% of the users want to do with your product, and yet you don't tell me how to do that. You just tell me what each button does. Well, you know, a blind monkey can just about tell you what each button does. And that's not what I need to know. And the
1: name functions vary depending on where in the world you're from and what part of the country you're from and what company you're Uh, from. So, again, uh, if it says uh, mixed minus, well, that might not necessarily mean something to someone in Europe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, true. um,
1: um, And uh, 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 the... uh, recommended use cases uh i remember uh, i'm sure you remember stumbling across them when you did uh, drop the manual on the floor kirk uh, uh <laughs> i put in the whole thing you know if you've got three sites with the extreme here's your options you know uh, do you want good quality in this direction or this direction if you're talking to an older layer 2 codec well here's your options if you've got one B channel or two B channels, and again, uh, having that there somewhere is uh, uh, helps the customer help themselves. It also helps your support people. You get a new support person; they flip through the manual, they remember that's there, they open it up, and they basically read it to the customer over the phone. Uh, <laughs> FAQs we pretty well covered, uh, <laughs> uh, but make them painless. Like I said, uh, you don't want to have to research after every time you click on it. I run across that with too many FAQs. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, support options, there's a lot of different ways to do support. Just make sure A, you're not hiding from your customers. Make sure you have at least a tier two people that are actually product specialists that really know a couple of the products. So they'll know, oh yeah, in version 1.3.2, uh, there's this bug, and that's what you, what version you're running, you know, things like that. Oh uh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh make sure if you've got an option and it's worthless, if it's some bot that doesn't actually provide useful information as opposed to a bot that calls uh does a search on that uh uh thing you were describing and tell us, uh that well that's sure if the bot pulls it up for you, great, but it's gotta pull up something useful. Um and then, you know, if you're gonna have uh some maid answer the phone uh at midnight, well maybe you should be open at midnight, you know. <laughs> uh Um, Just don't waste your your customer's time with nonsense. Better to reduce the number of options and do them well. Uh, Again, escalation, as I said earlier, you really got to think that through. Yes, there's people that are going to get escalated, and you can turn that right around. Uh, um, I I can remember being called by uh, uh, Neil Glassman, who was running support at the time, together with marketing, which they really do go hand in hand. Uh, And saying, this is Rolf Taylor. He knows more about that subject than anyone in the company. He'll take care of you. And so he escalated it right back to support. And uh, he didn't have to take time uh, on it. But he gave me confidence. He gave the customer confidence. And uh, uh, we, we, you know, we got through it. Uh, Next page. Uh, word of mouth, that's what it's all about. Uh, a couple of these little prickly, annoying things, and all of a sudden it becomes an adequate product rather than a great product. And I don't know how many times myself I've, I've had a problem with a company, and I've worked with them, and uh, uh, they, they did what was right, and uh, uh, I just got some free jerky because they sent me the wrong jerky. It was pepper rather than regular. And they sent me two, two bags asked without any questions at all. Uh, so now I'm even a bigger fan of that jerky, Wild Bill's Jerky. Great stuff. Uh, so, uh, you know, keep that in mind. There's really you can't get better uh, 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 loyalty than when you solve those problems in the right way, you know, even though it started out as a problem. Uh, is your marketing part of your support? Is your support part of your marketing? Are they the same thing? Probably not. But if you run them together, uh, uh, Kirk, you you know, uh, Neil was a genius. And uh, I don't know whether he was asked to take charge of support or or how that happened. But uh, he treated support as part of marketing. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. good support sells the product. That's what marketing is, right? And then you can tell people you got great support and they ask around word of mouth. There it's there. We already talked about pre-sale support, um, depending on the product it can be critical for like a console or, uh, complicated things with, to checklists and stuff. Uh, next page. Okay. Here we are. Happy Festivus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, well, we, we might have a grievance to, or two to get to, but uh, we got to take one more quick break. Uh, I'm talking to the affable, fun, and highly intelligent Rolf Taylor. Uh, you might know him from support at Telos Alliance. That's where I first met uh, Rolf. Uh, uh, I talked to him on the phone a few times before I worked there, and then we got to uh, be uh, colleagues at Telos Alliance for a while. So uh, we'll be right back after this quick message from our friends at VoxPro.
2: Hey, what's happening? St. John here coming to you from Command Central and wanted to tell you about the absolute best partner you can have in radio. I'm talking about Boom! Wheatstone's Vox Pro. Lots of different audio software out there. Why Vox Pro? It's the only software designed to do what we needed to do, which is record, edit, playback in real time. When I say lightning fast, I'm going to show you how fast you can edit stuff up in Vox Pro right now. Literally three clicks on the controller, mark left, mark right, everything that gets marked, you hit delete, it goes away. It's literally that fast. So we're going to take this part right here. Boy, nine, I Boom. From caller nine to him saying, I'm ready. Okay. Five, ready for that secret sound. Boom. All of that stuff. Hit delete. It goes away. Here's your edit. You are tackling secret sound. Caller nine. I'm ready, Sandra. So one of the best features of version 7, this is awesome, it's effects macros and you can literally put a chain of effects together so that instead of uh, having to normalize a phone bit and then uh, use noise reduction on it and EQ it and all that, you can literally build a chain. One button, this button, this one's called call right here, I just click that, all of those processes happen instantaneously. Final thing that I love about Vox Pro, and there's so much more to get into, but uh, one of my favorite things, you can load it on a laptop. I've literally done my show from a hotel room in Armenia to uh, the conference room at, yeah, this was fun, jury duty. Great thing. No one could tell the difference. Vox Pro makes it totally easy. Telling you, if you're looking for the best on-air partner, call my friends at Wheatstone, ask them about VoxPro, and you will be glad you did. And actually, you're
0: going to want to call Broadcasters General Store because they can actually sell you Vox Pro and give you a a proper discount. So check it out from Broadcasters General Store, bgs.cc is their website. Or you can give them a call at 352-622-7700. They are set up for phone calls. They love to talk to you on the phone. And every one of the people who works there has a, just a terrific uh, computer look into availability, scheduling, uh, of pricing, of course, and delivery. So check this out broadcasters general store love you guys have a great uh, 2024 and uh we plan on doing a lot of business with you uh, in next year as well as well as we did this year all right thanks a lot Vox pro and bgs all right we're here with just a couple more minutes with uh ralph taylor ralph i don't know we we got any things that qualifies for festivus we got any grievances to air what, what do you think well i've categorized
1: uh, them into groups Uh, And when you and I talked about earlier, uh, when you go to a website, you know, you go to purchase something, and uh, I don't believe in uh, saving my credit cards. I order them, uh, uh, enter them in every time. And uh, um, sometimes you start typing, and you get to the fourth digit, and it jumps over, and you continue doing it. Um, And uh, I don't have to worry about whether I can put a dash or not. There's other ones that let you put dashes in and then yeah. you have to re-enter it because it won't take dashes or spaces. Um, uh, I don't have an American express card. I guess they're just a little different, but uh, uh, I assume that the websites that seem to do it right, they figured out how to do that as well. So uh, there's a, a little pain point for every single time someone makes a purchase uh, and enters a credit card that a website could easily fix. I mean, you you know, what's maybe an hour or two for a coder to figure it out. And then they got to debug it, which is, you know, might take a couple of days. But uh, <laughs> how complicated you know, uh, is that? Uh, just think about the customer, right?
0: <laughs> you know, along with the the, the number entry and uh, and what you just talked about, I get annoyed with the fact that the credit card has the expiration date in numbers like 07 slash 24. And so often the dropdown asks you what month. You know, yeah, yeah, so if it's 0925, which one of my cards is, uh, the and the drop down just says, you know, Jan, Feb, Mar, April. I got re- 09, let's see. You that. have to what's, use that what's, what's
1: gray matter right? wetware to do the conversion. Yeah. It's not
0: very How hard how hard would it be? How hard would it be for them to specify the expiration month the same way it is on your credit card? How difficult would that be? Oh my gosh. Not at all. Go ahead.
1: Uh, and uh, if you're gonna ask for the zip code, which you will, yeah, then why do I need to enter a city? Yeah. <laughs> the now, zip code's those... gonna be whatever city the post office cares about, so it might actually be better. Now Exactly. The people uh, that do it uh, and right I don't know if... actually look up your address through the US post office and and make you confirm it, which is an extra step, but it, it makes sure you get your stuff on time. But right. at the very least to have a zip code look up so I don't have to enter the city. <laughs> um yep. Uh as I was talking about earlier, you know, when I, I get search results and I click on one uh and then um uh I want to go back to it, uh do you know, do you gonna force me to have to right click on it and open it in another tab, or is you gonna just open another tab? Or do I open it and then when I hit back, it's gone and I gotta search again. Yeah. Well, again. Oh, I'm yeah. searching for stuff on your site, don't make it hard. <laughs> exactly. One of my biggest grievances is search engines. Uh, there's virtually no search engines that are well-designed. Somewhere yeah. in, in 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 software school, they're teaching people, well, a good search engine gives you lots of results. <laughs> so you search well, of course, the, the, and you get the, you know, 12 pages of results.
0: <laughs> the purpose of the search engine is not so. to help you find something. The purpose of the search engine is to financially benefit those who run the search engine. That's So the goals or the motivations oh, are no, different. Oh,
1: no, 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 no. I'm talking about when I go to acehardware.com and I put oh, okay.
0: in uh, oh, hex yeah, screws. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And it gives me anything
1: that has hex and anything that has screws. So it's 120 different
0: oh, pages yeah. of
1: stuff. Yeah. Rather than doing a boolean, oh, that's too complicated for modern programmers.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I hear you. All uh, right. What else? Real let's quick. Let's
1: back to the page before that last one. Uh, I think we skipped ahead. Uh, if we could, I don't have my uh, notes very well organized here. Um, oh, yeah, passwords. And why no guest checkout?
0: Oh yeah, that'd be nice.
1: Because, I mean, yes, Amazon pioneered the whole thing and patented to make it easy to buy stuff online. Well, guess what? Hackers figured out. They're stealing everything. They get into the DoD computers. I don't want my password anywhere. The bank's got to have it. But, you know, so don't make me have to go back and delete it. Just give me a guest checkout. If people want to risk their security, fine, give them the option. But give me a guest checkout. Uh, and then passwords. Why do I need a super secure password to pay my electric bill? What, if someone could go in there and pay it for me? Yeah, I know. There's got to be a password, of course, but it shouldn't have to require 16 characters and all this nonsense if it's to pay a utility bill, particularly since I don't think they allow you to turn off your service on the web page. They shouldn't, you know. Uh, And then you're keeping five of my passwords on your server? Really? Or or hashes
0: of them. Maybe hashes of them. Exactly,
1: but once someone breaks the hash, then they get all of them.
0: Well, that's true. And that was that's a
1: really true. good article I read just recently by, uh, uh, on uh, um, uh, Barry's website. There were two of them, one written by Barry and one written by Cowboy, uh, yeah. and explained yeah. how they break the hash. All it takes is one person to put a password. This is the password. They break the hash on that, and then they've got the formula for the hash. They can
0: break all the other. Uh, Ralph, um, uh, my biggest festivist complaint is we're out of time. That's my I grievance. We we're out of we're out of time. We're going to have to go right now. So, uh I don't know, maybe we'll finish the list next year. We ought to have you back next year, same <laughs> time, same same bat channel. Maybe Chris Tarr will feel better and uh, and he'll join us too. Yeah, that all nice. Uh, Ralph if 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 you have a quick tip, now's the time, but otherwise we got to go in 60 seconds. Um you you've been full of tips, so anything Take else? Take your
1: own experience and every time something's like ah does that apply to the products I design and sell?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Do, do, do I build in? It's, empathy. The, the... It's, it's it's applied empathy. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Applied empathy. Ralph Taylor, uh, if people have a pep station, they may be dealing with you. Um, so uh, thank you for dealing with WSM down the road and WVUV in American Samoa, keeping uh keeping the people of Samoa and Nashville informed. Really appreciate your efforts and, and those of your colleagues too. So.
1: And keep an eye on WSM. I think they're in the midst of uh, the upgrade process, I think, to the new uh, Duke PEP. If, if it I hasn't can, started, it,
0: it's, it's on the list, I know. If I can ever get Jason Cooper to be on the show, we'll talk about it. Yeah. All right. All right. We got to go. And this is our last show of 2023. It's been a wonderful year. I appreciate each and every one of you uh, watching, listening, and sharing with your friends. Uh, If you, hey, be sure you you know like and subscribe, like and subscribe. You've heard that before. We are on YouTube, so you can like and subscribe on YouTube and get yourself notified when there's a new episode out. We do the show live, typically on Thursday afternoons, 5 p.m. Eastern time, and then we we top and tail the show. If we make a big mistake, Suncast fixes that up, and we publish the show more or less permanently uh, the next day, typically on, on the Friday, so you can go back and watch something, and and uh, and it, it should be good. Thanks so much for joining us all this year year in 2023. We will see you next year. Our first show next year is from an AM radio station that's doing a lot of good. You're going to like it. We're going to be there with Beth Mann in Elkton, Kentucky next week on Thursday. Thanks again, Rolf Taylor. Thanks to uh, Suncast for producing today's show. We appreciate you very much. We'll see you next week on This Week in Radio Tech. Bye-bye.